This is QTS episode number 004, and today I want to tell you about a book. It's called The Vulnerables. It's a work of fiction by a writer named, I don't know if I'm going to say her name correctly, Sigrid Nunes. I will spell this for you. S-I-G-R-I-D, Sigrid, so I'm saying that. Nunes, N-U-N-E-Z. And the book is The Vulnerables. I acquired this book because I went to Amazon one day and based off of some things that I had bought, apparently, the algorithmic robots that uh, Amazon has created and deployed said, you might like this book. And the cover looked interesting. It's got, it's kind of like this green cover. It's got some flowers and a parrot on it and I thought oh, that that cover looks interesting I'll I'll click that so I clicked it and I read the description of the book and it sounded kind of interesting to me I'll read the description to you here real quick here elegy plus comedy is the only way to express how we live in a world today says the character in Sigrid Nunez's ninth novel The Vulnerables which offers a meditation on our contemporary era as a solitary female narrator asked what it asks, what it means to be alive at this complex moment in history and considers how our present reality affects the way that a person looks back on her past humor to be sure is a priceless refuge equally visceral is connection with others who here include an adrift member of Gen Z and a spirited parrot named Eureka. The Vulnerables reveals what happens when strangers are willing to open their hearts to one another and how far even small acts of caring can go to ease the distress, to, to ease another's distress, in search for understanding about some of the most critical moments of our time. Nunez's new novel is also an inquiry into the nature and purpose of writing itself. So I read that and I thought, okay, cover looks interesting. Description sounds interesting. Why not? And I got it. I got the book. Digital edition of the book. I, for the most part, for the most part, only buy digital books nowadays, especially works of fiction. The reason for this being that uh, I am somebody who likes to acquire books and I had a lot of books for a very long time. And my wife the person who I share my living space with, with her and my children. This is before we had children that this, this was an issue for her. She pointed out like, you know, you have these books and I think that you might tell yourself that you're going to access them often enough to justify having them in a very easily accessible way, but you don't, you just don't, you don't actually do that. 
you think you'll do that. You like to tell yourself you will do that, but you don't. And this was one of those arguments that she gave me where, you know, I kind of wanted her to be wrong, but she wasn't. She was right. She knew it. She was correct. I had a lot of books, the vast majority of which had sat on a shelf, untouched, unread, unused for your years. And, you know, she didn't make me do anything. She didn't make any demands like you got to get rid of these things or, or whatever. But, you know, she made the observation that I had these things and they were taking up space, but they weren't being used. She made that observation and she's a smart lady. So I think she knew if she made that observation and, and it didn't, it wasn't much of an observation. It's a small observation, right? She didn't give me a, a, a long diatribe on, on this. She just sort of very pointedly said, Hey, have you noticed that you have a lot of books? Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. And you, have you noticed that I'm somebody who likes to, this is what she's saying. She's like, I'm somebody who likes to not accumulate stuff. She's a minimalist. Like for real, she, she keeps things. If she will use them, the things that she keeps are things that she uses, things that she's not using. She has like zero problem getting rid of them. It's just not an issue for her. She does. She's just like, Oh, I haven't used that in a really long time. Uh, I don't think that it's likely that I will use it anytime in the future. Uh, because it's not like I wasn't using it because I just kind of forgot about it. But now that I see it and I remember that I have it now, I'll use it all the time. No, no, no. I'm just not going to use that. And she, she, it's gone. It's out. That's the way that she is. So she pointed out, you know, she's that way and I'm, I'm not, I got all these books and why, why do you keep all these books around? And I, you know, say, Oh, you know, I, I like having them because I think I'm going to, I'm going to reference them. I'm going to use them. I'm going to, I, I want to be able to reread them if I, if I want to blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you know, here's the thing about that. You say that makes sense, but you don't do it. That's not what happens. What happens is it sits there and you tell yourself that you're going to do this thing. Then you don't do it. Just pointing it out. Just pointing it out. That's all. I'm going to go now do a different thing. Take care. <laughs> and sure enough, I, you know, this, this sticks with me. I ended up getting rid of a lot of books. This is a very long roundabout way to explain this. I even realized that I didn't start out in my typical way with this podcast. It's uh, the 17th of January, 2024. It's a little bit before seven o'clock in the evening. It's extremely cold outside. How cold is it? You ask, I will tell you if you give me one moment to pull up the appropriate screen on my phone. Um, geez, it's like 13 degrees Fahrenheit right now. And what would that mean in Celsius? Let's go ahead and find that little piece of information out. Shall we, we shall. So in Celsius, that means it's like negative 10. So, you know, ouch, not a pleasant day. It's been cold for a very long time. I think that being in the cold so long might be messing with my ability to think clearly. It could be other things, but that maybe is part of it too. Anyways, books, I started this off. I wanted to talk to you about a book. The book was The Vulnerables by Sigrid Nunez. I have a digital copy of that book because I no longer buy physical copies of books because they take up space and that, that is something which is frustrating for a person who is very dear to me. And it's not necessary. So, you know, digital books will get the job done. So I do that. I have it as a digital book. I've been reading it and I've been really enjoying this book. 
a ton. It's a really fun book. I Before hitting record, I, I knew I was going to talk about this, and I knew I was going to bring this up, and I was thinking to myself, well, what is it about it that's so enjoyable? And here's the thing. I don't know how to describe it to you. I, I wish that I did, but I don't. This is a book that has a very specific style. It is, and it's the kind, it's a style of book that I am very partial to. It's a kind of style that I really like. It's a kind of book where not a lot of dramatic things happen. It's not a melodramatic book. There's not, uh, you know, and, and it's not an action book. It's not like, you know, it's a spy fiction where somebody's trying to stop somebody from unleashing you know, a, a nuclear weapon or something like that. No, no, no. This is, this is a book about the everydayness, the quotidianness of our life, which is part of why I wanted to talk about it here on quotidian things and stuff. It's a book which in my opinion captures the quotidian so well. It's so good at capturing the quotidian. I love the way that it does it. It's people, normal people having conversations with each other and then living their lives so it's a kind of book where, you know, things are happening. There, there's a plot to it, but like a lot of big things don't happen. It's just, it's real things. It's, it's little things that make up a kind of life that I think I can relate to because massive, huge, earth shattering sorts of things don't happen in my, my life. My life is not a life where I'm moving the tectonic plates of civilization or the society that I live in or anything like that. It's the kind of life where I'm, you know, getting rid of books and going to the grocery store. That's, that's my life. And and this book is like that too. Uh, I'll give you a quick little rundown here of the plot without spoiling too much. It takes place a little bit of it before the pandemic. So, and then the pandemic happens and the main character ends up, giving her apartment in New York to a healthcare worker uh, who has traveled to New York from a different area because New York had such a need for healthcare workers. So this healthcare worker travels there. But of course the healthcare worker is interacting with a lot of people who have COVID and this, the, the narrator doesn't want to get COVID. This takes place in that, that time period where COVID was this thing that people were, I think more scared of than, than, than they are now. And like it was back then it was just like, oh my gosh, like people were very, 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 very scared. It takes place in, in that early, those early days of COVID. So anyways, the main character gives her, loans her apartment to this person, which isn't a terribly inconvenient thing for her to do because it turns out that there's somebody else who is, who has another apartment in New York, but that person isn't in New York. That person's in California and can't get back to New York uh, and in her apartment that she can't get back to is this parrot named Eureka and the parrot needs somebody to take care of it. And then the person who's, so this is the, the a first apartment is the main character's narrative, uh, the main narrator's apartment. She gives that to the healthcare worker, moves to apartment number two, which is owned by this couple who is in California and can't get back to New York, but they need somebody to be at their apartment to take care of their parrot. And they had somebody who was doing it. It was this college kid who they knew somehow it's like they, they knew his family. And then the college kid decided that he needed to, he's like, I don't want to be in New York either. And so he took off, he left New York, which left the parrot without a caretaker. And so the main character, the narrator of the vulnerables moves into this apartment to take care of the parrot. And she's, she's doing that. And as she's doing that, the kid who, who took off comes back and 
he's kind of like a, a total bro. He he's very into like physical fitness and microdosing psilocybin and stuff. And he comes back and she ends up having to kind of share this space with this dude who's way younger than her. And like she, she grew up in the sixties and here's this, you know, early 20 something kid who's she's, you know, sharing some space with at, at this point. And that's kind of the, the setup for it. Again, that doesn't give away too much, a little bit gives away a little bit, but doesn't give away too much of the story. And it's a really, really wonderful book because it's just conversations, great conversations taking place around this narrative. And there's, there's a lot more to it than I'm not telling you, which, and I don't want to tell it to you because I don't want to spoil it for you because this book, even though it just takes place in these kind of normal and somewhat mundane conversations, it really does these normal and kind of mundane conversations have an emotional heft to them. They have a realness to them. They illustrate how within the most normal day-to-day stuff are people real people with real problems living really complicated lives. And you wouldn't know that necessarily just every conversation you have with another person, you're having a conversation with another person who has so much other stuff going on and they might let you in on some of that stuff, but there's a lot that they don't let you in on. And because in the form of a novel, you can kind of get inside a person's head. You're able to both see what they reveal in the form of the conversation and what they hold back, what they don't reveal. And it's very interesting to read that. So really wonderful book. And I, I've just loved reading it a ton. So I figured what I do here when I, I'm reading my digital copy, when I find a sentence or group of sentences that I think are nice, I like them. I highlight that sentence or sentences and there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it. Like I'm not trying to, when I'm reading fiction, I'm not trying to trace like a coherent argument through the text. I just, there's certain sentences that I read them and I, I like them a lot. There's different reasons why sometimes I like them because I think they're funny. Sometimes I like them because I think that they're just these wonderfully well-constructed sentences that are written so incredibly well. I'm just like, wow, that's, that's some great craft there. Other times I think that they are an astute observation about people and I, I like that. So there's not, there's not a specific thing that I'm going for in these highlights. It's just when something I read passes a certain threshold of likability for me. I I like it and I notice myself really liking it. I think I should highlight that and I do. And I'm going to read some of the highlights to you here from this book. And if you find them interesting, maybe you'll read this book too. So let's see here. Let's find one. Let's find a good one. This is the very first highlight that I had in the book. Only when I was young that I'd believe that it was important to remember what happened in every novel I read. Now I know the truth. What matters is your experience while reading. For us, her funeral would also be a, a reunion, as I suppose most funerals are. To me, that's an astute observation. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, that is how they work, isn't it? As people get older. You know, you, for a certain time in your life, you're getting together with all the, a lot of the people who you know because somebody got married or something. But then there's this time period where everybody's living their lives, doing their things, having their jobs, raising their kids. And that goes on for a, a good stretch, I think. And, you know, you see people, but not, not all at the same time. You see them here and there. And then the funerals start happening. And the people start coming together again. 
So it's a funeral and a reunion. That sort of poignant clarity, I think, is is really something. In this next one, the writer is talking about how she is assuming sorts of emotional states that this parrot who she's taking care of is having. Like she, she looks at the parrot and assumes that certain faces it makes have certain, I guess, connections to, to various affects, emotions, those sorts of things. So she writes, anthropomorphism, some scientists said, projection, not really friendship, but rather the elimination of a fear barrier and familiarity that allows for greater intimacy Parentheses. In a word, friendship. No. Close parentheses. I'm going to read that last bit to you because this is one of those things where I thought this is just excellent, excellent, excellent craft. This, this whole sentence here. So I'm going to kind of read that again, but with the punctuation this time. Anthropomorphism, comma, some scientists said, period. Projection, period. Not really friendship, comma but rather the elimination of a fear barrier, comma, and a familiarity that allows for greater intimacy, period. Parentheses, in a word, comma, friendship, comma, no, question mark, close parentheses. There's a lot going on in that little tiny bit of text because every word is working. Every word's doing so. Every punctuation mark is doing a thing. I'm, I, that's just, that's really good. I'm like, wow, 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 wow. When I read that one, she follows that up a little bit later with the following anthropomorphism. We should have made it our religion. I once heard an environmental activist say irrational, but what religion is not. I'll read it with the punctuation again. Anthropomorphism colon. We should have made it our religion comma. I once heard an environmental activist say, period. Irrational, comma, but then what religion is not, period. Switching to a different topic, a little bit later in the text, what lockdown went a viral tweet, describing it rather as middle class hiding while working class people bring them things. <laughs> Again, like, well, that's... She's she's writing about a, a tweet that went viral, but she just kind of injects it into this text. And it's kind of like, yep, <laughs> that, that is certainly one way to describe what was going on there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's There's some accuracy there. Nailed it. Ding, ding, ding. Jumping to a different part in the text and a new subject matter. I thought of the depressed family therapist. I once heard say that he'd met far too many people who somehow failed to calculate that having a baby one day meant having an adult. This is really wonderful stuff. I mean, again, the writing is just so, like, man, clear to the point. It, it says something without using a ton of words to say it, which I find very impressive. I think... This is, this is an opinion. I think that it is way harder to write, you know, a one to three pages of really, really good prose, really good text. It's, it's harder to do that than it is to write like 50 pages of mediocre to bad stuff. 
you know, anybody can write lots of words. That, that's actually not that hard. It's time-consuming, but it's not difficult. I think that, you know, I'm going to assume that, that you, whoever you are listening to this, if you needed to, you could sit down and you could just free associate, write your thoughts, and you can go on for many, 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 many pages. It doesn't mean that what you'd produce would be interesting or good, but you could do it. What, what really excellent, amazing, wow, wow, wow writing seems to do to me is it tends to reduce it takes uh, a lot of stuff like this novel here. There's a lot of life in this novel, but it gets reduced. It gets condensed down to these very, very just wonderful sentences where in, in paragraphs and chapters where all of the words, all of the sentences, all of the paragraphs are doing something. They're, they're all there. They're all doing, and they're, they're so they're working together in such harmony it's great. It's so, so cool. I'll read one more, then I'll stop making this podcast. A school teacher once told me that she asked her third graders, if you could ask a dog one question, what would it be? And one boy said, dog, when I grow up, what will I be? Okay. I've told you a little bit about this book. I've read some things from it. I've rambled on about different things and I'm going to stop talking now. I appreciate the fact that you, whoever you are, took the time to download this and listen to this. That's, that's nice. You appreciate it a ton. And, uh, I'm going to go now. Hopefully I'll be back in your ears at some point in the future. Till then take care, make those glorious mistakes. Don't the man keep you down. And, uh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So on and so forth. See ya. <laughs>